Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry Lowitz, and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. everyone. How's everybody doing today? Uh, I'm doing extra great because it's finally snowing here in Ottawa and I went skiing on Monday for the first time this season and I'm a happy girl. (laughs) Um, There really is nothing like doing what you love to get that extra little pep in your step and recharge you for the big week. (laughs) Because as always, I have a big week. So I have lots of work stuff, play stuff, and a few new, excuse me, new cool Newell. I have a few Newell <laughs> projects. <laughs> so I'm really glad that I got to get out there. Anywho, oh my gosh, okay, okay, okay. It's sort of a big episode today as well. So one that's very personal to me, well, they're all very personal to me, but this subject today is something that has been oddly resonating with me for a few weeks here. So I'm deciding to share with you all the story of my divorce, which also includes some tidbits about my marriage as well. Obviously those two things go hand in hand. And it's funny because like, I never talk about this subject. I literally never think about it. I never think about him. And for the record, I will not be sharing his name for privacy reasons. I'll only be referring to him as him, my ex, or my husband, or whatever comes out of me. Um, so, so why is this subject resonating? Um, well, to go back, the subject of my marriage and my divorce never comes up in conversation anymore at all. Like, it's been years. I think this is because I'm completely healed from the experience. Like, I'm over it. I have no ill feelings. I have no tugs at my heartstrings about any aspect of what happened. Um, I've been able to truly forgive and let go here. There's, There's no attachment whatsoever to this part of my life. However, recently, for some reason, and I'd like to think it's coincidence, but I know there's coincidence. I'm not sure how much I believe in coincidences, but his name has come up a few times. So he's come up in conversation with friends and coworkers and stuff like that. So I think it's a sign that this story <laughs> needs to be told. And that's why I want to share this story with you. Because that's all it is to me now. It's a story. But it's one that has had a huge impact on my life. And there are a lot of lessons intertwined within it. And the experience of it and the learnings that followed is why I'm going to be as candid as possible about what happened. Like, the reason I want to speak about this today is that the entire process of falling in love, getting married, and then getting divorced was quite honestly a chapter that has shaped who I am today. Like, my ex has been one of my biggest teachers in life. And in many ways, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for him. You know, teachers come in all forms, and if you're able to recognize them and learn, then I believe 
that is where the real growth has potential to happen. So I'm going to share with you some of the intimate details, positive and negative of this chapter. And, you know, I'm not sure if I need to do like a viewer's discretion is advised type thing here. I'm not sure exactly what's going to come out, but you're all here. You're, you're okay. What you're about to hear are some things about me that I've never actually told anyone. So, okay, before I begin, I, I, I just want to say that again, this is, this entire story is my personal recollection of the past, of what happened. It's 100% my side of the story. Um, I will not have my ex-husband on the show, nor have I reached out to him for comments, even though I believe, you know, we're now in good terms and I'd probably hug him if I saw him. But anyways, this is this is my side only, and I plan on being very blunt and forthcoming with some of the details, but I also want to do this in a respectful way for the purposes of helping others who might be in a similar position or who, who feel trapped in a relationship or even for those who are just like straight up curious about what happened in my life. So here we go. Um, I met my ex in 2004. I was 23 years old, and oh my gosh, he really swept me off my feet. I mean, I was working at this pub and he was hired as a bartender and we immediately were like mega attracted to each other. And at the time I was in my prime skiing world cup and um, he was just drafted to an MLB team and was also a super high level goalie. Like he played in the OHL, which is um, for those of you that don't know, is like a, it's a major junior hockey league in Canada. So we had a billion things in common with our athletic careers, life goals and ambitions, yada, yada, yada. So after we met, we basically like never left each other's side. We both wanted to spend literally every single second together. One of my absolute favorite qualities about him was his ability to make me laugh. Like, oh my God, he was so funny. We would have so much fun together. Like even to the day we were signing our divorce papers in the courthouse, he was like cracking jokes and making me laugh. Like actually we were sitting there and he was telling me jokes. Like I know I remember the joke he said. I don't know why, but it's too inappropriate to say here, but he was cracking me up. So he was funny and I loved that about him. He was also a serious babe. <laughs> he was super fit and tall and strong. And I loved that he could pick me up all the time and he would carry me around. Anyways, the point I'm trying to make here is that in my mind, he was the dream. When I met him, I thought he was the dream man. He was all the things I was looking for. And it was to no surprise that I fell madly in love with him, like blind, center of the universe, crazy, stupid love. And we quickly moved in together. Fast forward two years, we bought a house, got a dog. And the next thing that happened was he asked me to marry him. And I can remember that night super clearly. It was actually Christmas Eve. And we were decorating our tree when all of a sudden he got, he like very nervously and like romantically pulled out a ring and he popped the question. <laughs> it was, 
it was so simple and cute and I'll always remember this because in that moment like one of the most magical moments in a woman's life like we it's basically the moment we all dream of when he asked will you marry me I had this overwhelming feeling of no like that was the first thought that came into my mind was no I will not but I was sitting there and he was staring at me holding this giant diamond ring and in that moment I got scared and I said yes and you know I'd, I'd love to talk about hindsight in this moment <laughs> because looking back I actually had to like fight my instinct hard to say yes in that moment but there was this crazy fear inside of me it was like fear of change fear of being alone fear of what everyone might think fear of what he would think like I bet if the whole thing was recorded somewhere like if there was like a fly on the wall documenting the entire proposal you could hear the hesitation in my voice I was like yes it wasn't like this oh my god yes like moment the 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 actual engagement didn't feel magical to me at all. It, it didn't even really feel special. <laughs> but I said yes, and then all of a sudden, I was this 25-year-old engaged person, and we were planning a wedding. Like every girl's dream, right? Hi. <laughs> so we had an 18-month engagement or so. So it was kind of a long time, but I want to fast forward to the wedding day. So I promised to go back and fill in the blanks here, but fast forward 18 months, the day of my wedding, the day that is supposed to be the most magical, wonderful day of my life. And instead I was having feelings like I, I was having these crazy feelings. I, instead of feeling love and excitement, I was actually shitting my pants. <laughs> I kept thinking, Elisa, what the hell are you doing? Don't do this. This is a mistake. Those were the things that were actually going through my mind on my wedding day. And I, I pushed those feelings aside and I chalked it up as having cold feet. Cause like that's normal on your wedding day, right? Like cold feet. Doesn't everyone feel like this in one way or another? Like I even spoke to one of my bridesmaids about how nervous I was and how it didn't feel right. And all she could think to do was to, to talk me talked me out of that and, and get me back into the zone. You're getting married today. Look, like, come on. So, so <laughs> we decided to get married at this like beautiful event place. It was outside under a gazebo. And I remember driving up with my dad. Um, it was just my dad and I in the car and we were about to get out of the car and I could see everyone, you know, under the gazebo off in the distance waiting for me when he said, he looked at me and he said, are you sure you want to do this? And like my dad and I don't have a good relationship. Like we see each other once or twice a year, which is definitely a subject for another day. But I think, I think in that moment he saw something in me. And instead of getting out of the car, he said, let's go another tour around the block. So that's what we did. We like, we drove around the block in silence. We didn't talk. I don't even think I answered his question out loud. Like, I swear he was just giving me an extra 10 minutes to pull the shoot or something. <laughs> but I didn't pull it. 
because I felt so much pressure and everyone was there waiting for me to walk down the aisle and our wedding cost us like $20,000 and we had a house and a dog and a mortgage and friends and stuff and the whole shebang and I, I had let this whole thing go way too far hoping that my feelings would change like maybe they would maybe maybe it's just cold feet and instead of following my instincts to like tell my dad to burn the fucking rubber and drive me to Mexico (laughs) when he pulled back up to the event center I got out of the car walked down the aisle and married a man I knew was not the one for me interesting (laughs) like needless to say we were only married for a year in fact I wanted a divorce like two weeks into the damn thing (laughs) why okay let's get into this so we met and fell madly in love in like 2004 in 2006 I missed qualifying for the Olympic Games and I went into my first downward spiral and this was probably the darkest time for me in my whole life and I may share this experience with you one day, but until then, just imagine me at like my lowest point in life. At the same time, he, my ex, had just torn his, he like he had torn a ligament in his knee and he was put on waivers and cleared waivers with the MLB. So we were both at our athletic career low points, if you will. It was actually crazy. And in a lot of ways, our athletic failures like bonded us. However, it also drove this giant unspeakable wedge between us. So we couldn't support each other the way we needed to. And I ended up drinking like 10 Smirnoff ice a day. (laughs) I gained 85 pounds in that year. And I was a complete asshole. Like I take responsibility for this. I changed All I ever wanted to do my entire life was go to the Olympics and I didn't know how to live with myself without that. (laughs) So my self-esteem was very low. I was lost. I was looking for someone to fill my cup. (laughs) I was looking for a person to make me feel better about myself. I I thought it was my husband, but he was also in a vulnerable place in his life and Our relationship started with like so much love and excitement for the future, but then all of a sudden our world's like flipped upside down and I didn't have the support or the tools or the awareness or the anything to deal with that, nor did he. So all the while we had bought a house and we were starting to have like real life stress and all of a sudden, you know, we had all these things that came with... (laughs) I'm using air quotes, adult responsibilities. So I need to paint a little bit more of a picture here of what was going on before we got married. So this part of the story will, this part of the story gets, I don't know, a bit more graphic, I guess. But before we got married, I was feeling massive financial pressure with my ex. He was, for lack of a better term, um, a compulsive spender. He was obsessed with buying things. He needed everything to be new. He wanted to live like a king with new things everywhere. He honestly owned, for example, like 300 t-shirts. It's like he never wanted to wear the same shirt twice. So we had so much fucking shit all over our house. 
pardon my French, all the best, like most expensive technology, clothing and like glassware even like he he was bartending at the time. And so we kept buying new glassware and bar tools and we had like 10,000 of everything everywhere. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was working full time as a coach and waitressing, trying to pay the bills. He was also making excellent money. God knows how much because most of it was in cash in his pocket at the end of the night. So I never actually saw that money because it would be gone. So I, I like our combined income and I'm like estimating here was somewhere in the realm of about $120,000 a year. And we were completely broke. This was before we got married. So he would steal my bank card or my credit card from my purse and go and buy stuff all the time. Or he'd say, can I have your credit card to make like some necessary purchase? So I'd say, okay. And he would take the card and I'd check the statements days later and there'd be like $1,800 worth of purchases. And I'd be like, what the fuck? Like he would lie about his spending. He would steal from me. And basically money was the base of every single fight. And we started to fight about money every single day. It was a constant battle. Before we got married, there was actually a point in our relationship where we couldn't pay for food. So we had no money in, like, no money to buy groceries. Credit cards maxed out, no money in the bank. It was, like, a very stressful time. This is, like, actually a neat thing for me to reflect on because... I have no idea why I continued in the relationship through this. Like it was almost like I had such little self-esteem that I needed to be punished. Okay. I needed to punish myself every day. I hated myself. I was embarrassed about what I'd become, who I'd become, all the failures added up. And, and I would take this shit every day. Like it's so interesting. Anyways, I remember the day before he actually asked me to marry him, we had this epic fight about Christmas purchases. <laughs> and maybe that's why my instinct said no. Probably it's a combination of everything. Like, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> so interesting. Um, how much I was like in denial. <laughs> like, and, and I kept making excuses for him. And he was making all these promises to change and be better. And I wanted so badly to believe him. So... So I did, or I was in denial of, I don't know what I was believing, but I wanted this fairy tale relationship. And I wanted people to think we were this power couple living the dream. So short recap here, the beginning of the end started with money troubles. Now, I'm pretty sure that there's like a statistic out there somewhere that says like 80% of relationships end because of financial issues. Don't quote me on that, but yeah, I can see why. <laughs> Some days I like wanted to actually like kill him. Oh my God, not literally, but like, holy shit, it was the worst. But what was even worse, and this might not come as a surprise, but was his ability to lie about it. He was like a master manipulator and he lied constantly. And I, I can't even tell you how many lies he told me and how many times I caught him. It would be almost like lying for no reason. So, this is like an example. Like he told me that he had lost his front four teeth because he was hit by a hockey puck one time, like at this game. So he told me this whole story about the blood on the ice, the pain, 
the process of getting the implants, how long it took. And my sister had just got some implants too. And they were like talking about it. And he told me that his teeth were fake. And I thought that they looked super real. And he told me that, that, that it was like this new technology and whatever. Like, why wouldn't I believe that? So I just did. Then one day, like his front tooth chipped and I was like, frig, that's going to cost a lot to fix. Like that's going to cost us a lot of money. And he told me not to worry because the OHL would pay for his dental bills for the next 10 years because like that he lost his teeth in a game in the OHL. So I called his mom to get the details and she was like, he never lost his teeth. What are you talking about? Those are his teeth. And like, I couldn't believe it. So like, why the hell would he lie about that? Like, did he not think I would never find out? It's like so bizarre. And like, he also lied about having a driver's license. So after we got married and registered our marriage with the government, all of a sudden, all of these creditors, like these creditor letters kept arriving at our house, which is like a nightmare in itself. When you like open these letters, it's like, anyways, these creditors finally had found him, I guess, when we registered and he owed thousands of dollars to multiple people one of which was $8,000 to the government of Ontario for unpaid driving infractions. And he hadn't had a valid driver's license for like over five years. It was, it was shocking. I would like confront him about these like massive lies and somehow, and this is like a friggin' huge skill of a master manipulator, but he would turn things around and make it my fault. Okay. It always seemed like at the end of all this, I would be the one apologizing. Like it was sick. We would get in these huge fights and I would be apologizing. He, ah, it's crazy. So, so what started to happen was like my self-esteem diminished and his power over me increased. So things started to get really nasty. He used to flip things so quickly and make me feel so bad that I started to really lose myself. And I allowed that behavior to happen. I understand that now. I allowed that myself to feel this way. Like I was already in a bad place and it just like validated those feelings that I already had for myself. Like he started to to punish me. He was like verbally abusing me. And I don't think a day went by that he didn't call me fat, ugly, or stupid in one way or another. Like actually I'm pretty sure it was like I was a fat, uh, like a, like a fucking fat slob. <laughs> or huge bitch and things like that. Like it was, it was brutal, like every single day. But also, also a day never went by that he wouldn't tell me how beautiful I was and how wonderful and I was the love of his life. Okay, so it was like, it was all so confusing. One minute he was like raging about how embarrassed he was of me because I was so fat. And then like the next minute he'd be like carrying me up the stairs with love in his eyes and would like make love to me like a, like a romance novel. So that's, I guess what happens in an abusive relationship, or at least what happened in mine. I, I lost my voice. I, I lost my ability to speak and stand up for myself. And I was letting another human being control me and abuse me. And I thought that that was love. I believe like women in abusive relationships think if I can please you, you will love me. And that's what I tried to do. I tried to please him. And I've said this before, but I believe that drama in a relationship is a sign of love. Or I should say, I believed that drama in a relationship was a sign of love. So 
this was love, right? Okay, well, this, this sucks. And painting the picture a little bit more here, we fought about money all the time. We fought about the lying. And then he started to work at this new bar. So we were no longer working together and he was spending late nights at a new place. And at first I was actually really okay with this because he was starting to make more money and we were starting to be able to pay off some debt. However, this new job brought some new problems to the relationship, if you know what I mean. At this point, I was away working six to seven months out of the year coaching and like, I was also becoming very close with a male coworker of mine who I've mentioned in previous podcasts. So my coworker was almost like a saving grace. Like he would give me advice on what to do and how to deal with my relationship. And he was like, kind of like this knight in shining armor. And there was no surprise that I started to fall in love with him. So holy shit, here I was about to marry a man but I was in love with another man. <laughs> it actually doesn't get much worse than that. <laughs> like, how the fuck did this happen? Uh, what was I thinking? This whole thing is completely fine when it's like in the form of like a blockbuster movie. <laughs> but in real life, it's so messed up. And the only way I could think of getting through all of this was just to be in like denial of everything. So I refused to take responsibility for my decisions. I tried to sweep everything under the rug and forget what was happening. All the while I was disrespecting myself and so many people in the process. So when I got married, when I walked down the aisle, all of these things were happening in my life. Huge financial pressure, abusive relationship, dealing with lies, dealing with the hint of infidelity. And like quite possibly the worst part about the whole thing was that I was, I, I, I felt like I was in love with someone else. If only my dad drove me to Mexico that chilly day in May. <laughs> well, anyways, okay, so post-wedding. Like, I believe it was exactly two weeks after we got married, my fear of his infidelity became a reality. Uh, we were newlyweds, and for a brief moment in time, like on our honeymoon, I thought that maybe we could actually be in a good place we made all these promises to each other and how we were going to work on a relationship. And we had all these like deep, intimate conversations about life and started making all these amazing plans and commitments to one another for the future and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so two weeks in one morning when I was still in bed, he went to take a shower and his phone beeped. <sighs> so out of curiosity, I looked at the message. Good idea or bad idea? <laughs> well, I'm sure you know what's coming and like, what do you know? It was, uh, the message was from uh, one of his female coworkers and the text said, hey baby. And I was like, what the hell? Like my heart was pumping so fast. All of a sudden I had like all of this adrenaline running through my veins. I was like momentarily shocked, but then I scrolled up to read their conversation. And the last thing he had written to her was quote unquote, come to the back room again and show me your tits. So it's actually hard to believe that I can remember that text so vividly all these years later, but that's exactly word for word what it said. But then at the moment, 
the the shower it turned off and I got scared and I put the phone down and I pretended to still be sleeping and he came out of the bathroom got ready for his day and left and I was like frozen in bed thinking to myself like fuck my husband is cheating on me it's official I just read it myself (laughs) but then again who am I to be mad like I have feelings for somebody else I'm I'm like equally to blame here uh I'm equally wrong wrong you know like right (laughs) maybe He wasn't actually cheating on me. Maybe there was a perfectly good explanation for this. And of course, I was making excuses, justifying, creating stories in my mind of what this might actually be instead of looking at what it actually is. So anyways, lol. (laughs) Okay, so I decided to do nothing. (laughs) But that decision didn't exactly last very long because basically from that moment on, every single time he was in the shower for the next six months, I was on his phone reading it. (laughs) And boy, oh boy, there should actually be a blockbuster movie on what I found out was going on behind my back. Basically, he had several women on the side, women I didn't know. I'm guessing girls like he knew from work or met at work or he was, I don't even know how they met, but he was like sexting with them nonstop. Like it was nonstop. But let's go back to that six month comment I made. (laughs) Yeah, I read his phone for six months and I didn't say anything to him. (sighs) Why? (laughs) Well, it's because I was afraid. I was embarrassed. I was super scared of what people might think and I was ashamed of myself. I was afraid of what would happen if he found out that I knew as well. Like there was some, there was... There was this sick part of me that felt like keeping the secret gave me some element of control over the situation. Like I knew he was cheating on me and this felt like this not telling him felt like I had some sort of power over him. It's like the strangest thing. But I remember I remember that feeling I was letting it happen underneath my nose and that made me sick. But like, who was I to judge? Or at least that's what I was thinking at the time. So a few months in, I I actually started, I confessed for the first time to my neighbor. And she wasn't surprised. In fact, she had seen a car. It was a white car drive into our garage at night on several occasions and then drive out in the morning. And she knew I was away on business and that someone slept over and hid their car in our garage. So the last time she saw the car go in, she texted me like she told me. So I decided to call my husband and he told me he was alone watching a movie. It's like, okay. So he was having an affair with multiple women lying to me and was literally getting away with it (laughs) because I was afraid. (laughs) I didn't want to be a divorced person. I believed in the institution of marriage and I had made the commitment to him and I was going to stay committed no matter what. So one day I suggested that we go to couples counseling and to my surprise, he actually agreed. So we started to see this therapist, um, which one-on-one was going pretty good, but as we started doing our sessions together and with all due respect for the therapist like this process was not helpful (laughs) it was basically just a space for him my ex to tell lies in front of someone else and for us to pay money for a lost cause but 
we still went and we still pretended to work on our relationship all the while he was doing the same. We were both doing the same things. We weren't actually putting the work in to change the relationship. So our marriage was kind of a joke. <laughs> Looking back, it was a joke. Now, feel free to judge me all you want here. Like, I get it. You're allowed. You're free to say and think whatever you want. I, on the other hand, couldn't even breathe during this whole thing, let alone think. I Finally, one day I started to talk about it with a few girlfriends. So naturally they lost their minds and became like my number one supporters. And I have the most amazing friends and I opened up to them and it made me feel like maybe there was a way out of this whole mess. Like maybe I wasn't alone. Maybe it's time to start putting my needs first. I don't know. It was just a, a bit of support and comfort there. Then the, then one day I, I actually had one of my bridesmaids over and we were very close friends, but I never told her what was going on because I didn't want her to judge me. So for some reason, I wanted to keep the fake persona with her. I don't know why. So anyways, she came over and I told her the entire story from start to finish. And she didn't say a word the entire time, like not one word. And when I was done, she looked at me and like took a deep breath and decided to tell me a little secret of her own. And she told me that on the nights we would get super drunk together and she would sleep over, which happened, I don't know, fairly often. Um, my husband would leave our bed and go into our spare bedroom where she was sleeping and they would have sex. Um, they would fool around right under my roof and with me in the room next door. And it was consensual sex and she was always super drunk and, you know, she said she knew it was a mistake, but they never stopped doing it. Like they had done, this happened multiple times. So I remember her telling this to me and I was like completely dumbfounded. Like we were in my living room and like on my couch and I was like, you're one of my best friends. You were my bridesmaid. Like what the fuck? Like, hello, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Anyways, needless to say, that was the last straw for me. Um, it was also the end of our friendship. Um, after hearing about this particular affair, I don't know, it was that particular affair I decided like I was finished and I couldn't handle the stress, the lies, the infidelity, the heartache, the whole fucking thing. Like, you know, it has been, it's been said to me that we will take the same level of abuse from another that we give to ourselves. And I mean, I was super mean to myself. I hated myself. And that's why I took all this shit for so long. And I, I saw myself as equal trash. But that whole sleeping with my bridesmaid bullshit was like over and above my abuse tolerance. And it was time to go. It's like when the status quo gets worse than the thought or the fear of change, that's when you need to make a change. Like, you can't handle the status quo. The, like, so shortly after that was the day I looked at myself in the mirror and said, what the fuck happened to you? Now, if you've listened to the podcast from, like, if you've been listening to the podcast from the start, then you'll know this moment because I speak of it more than once now. Um, it was like the life-changing moment when I decided to finally follow my gut and change everything. 
So the next thing that happened was that I confronted my then husband. And of course, he denied everything 100%. It's, he said it wasn't him. He said everything in the books to twist the situation around and make it my fault. He was very good at that, like I mentioned already. But I had been broken to the core and I couldn't take one more second of the bullshit. So I didn't. And I told him I was leaving and I left. And he couldn't believe that I was actually leaving. And his, you know, he turned his manipulation tactics up a thousand percent. Like, holy shit, you should have seen some of the things that he did. I'm not going to get into those details because at this point, none of it actually matters. But like, needless to say, it was no surprise that, you know, he had a new official girlfriend before we even sold our house. Okay. That being said, looking back, it was funny to me how free I felt walking out of the house. I, I loved that house. I loved living there. You know, but the day I walked out that door was like the first day I could breathe again. It was like, I was sad. I was stressed. I was scared. But it was like I had put a noose around my neck the entire time I was living there. And it was just squeezing the life out of me. And now I was free. <laughs> Looking back, like I am now able to take responsibility for everything that I did. Everything I said and I felt. I know that I wasn't the greatest partner in this marriage either. I do take responsibility for that. I like I was not in a good place. I didn't make things easy for us at times, but I also didn't deserve the things that I was given. So it took me a few years to truly understand that and to let go of that. And the hardest part was like letting go of my own self-abuse. I I was the biggest challenge. <laughs> getting over my own self-sabotage and truly honoring my higher self was a huge step for me. It was, it was life-changing. It was a life-changing step. So I also know and I can appreciate that there are others that live in toxic relationships and stay there because of fear. And trust me, I know I'm not telling anyone what to do here, but I simply want to share what I went through and maybe the better thing to say is to share what I participated in and then what I've learned from this epic chapter of my life. I mean, I've spared a lot of, of the nitty gritties here. Like I, I, I just wanted to paint a small picture of what was going on. And I think I, I established that, but I don't know here. Okay. Here are my top 10 takeaways. Okay. These are my top 10, you know, takeaways from this part of my life, this chapter. So number 10, I'm going to read these, by the way, I've, I've written them out. So we always were taught to put our relationships first, but really we need to put our relationship with ourself first. Pretty, um, pretty clear there. Number nine, if you are not true to yourself and are pretending to be something that you're not, then you will never live to be who you were meant to be. Number eight, when you let go of the secret, you let go of the shame. Seven, love does not hurt. Six, you can get through anything when you believe in yourself. Five, 
your spending is a reflection of what you value. So think about that. What do your purchases say about your life? Number four, all stress comes from something that you want that is not. Okay, pretty sure I got that one from Oprah. Number three, people don't need to be saved or rescued. People need to acknowledge their own power and how to access it. Okay, people need to acknowledge their own power and how to access it. When you take responsibility for yourself, you can learn from your experiences and start to make decisions based on self-love. Okay. So when you take responsibility for yourself, you can learn from your experiences and start to make decisions based on self-love. And number one, my number one thing that I've learned from this, my number one takeover, takeaway rather, is always follow your instincts. Okay, so I think that's all I want to say about this subject for today. <laughs> I feel like I'm missing a few things here, but I'm sure they'll find their way into a different podcast or Instagram blog in one way or another. I do, however, want to add that I'm no longer ashamed of what happened. It's, it's not that I don't care about it or that I'm in denial of it, but that I have truly come to a place of peace I've forgiven myself. I've forgiven him. We did our best. We did what we know. We are who we are. I said earlier that I have no regrets about anything because how could I? Like, I played my cards in the only way I knew how. Like, so did he. I am, however, deeply sorry for anyone that I may have hurt through this entire saga. I know that some people did get hurt, and I do take responsibility for that, and I do apologize. So... If I go, if, if I could go back, knowing what I know now, like loving myself as though I do now, it would never have happened. Like over the last eight years, I've grown into a completely different person. And I suspect that he has grown as well. Like we are not the same as we were back in 2008. I also want to add that having this experience did not make me more fearful of getting into another relationship. It's almost as though I needed to go through it to be reborn or something. Like my divorce was sort of the catalyst for the best years of my life. <laughs> like it's almost hard to believe how far I've actually come. I'm I'm so grateful for that and I have I've been able to heal myself. Um I I I really truly do not hold that energy with me any longer. I realize that this subject matter um, is rather dark and it's also very one-sided. Um, but again, my only goal was to shed some light and some learnings here. And I'm able to sit here and speak about this craziness with all of you, knowing that many of you are judging me, maybe in a negative way, maybe in a positive way. It doesn't actually matter. What does matter is that we all have the ability to live our lives the way we want to live them. It may take some time. Like, we need to love ourselves. I was so lost, but I turned it around. It takes work. It takes a leap of faith. It does take time. But you can do it. We can all do it. Oh my gosh, okay. So there you have it. 
the story of my marriage and my divorce, um, kind of in a nutshell. And that's all for today. So thank you so much for listening. Again, I would love for you all to go to Apple Podcast, that's iTunes, and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I only have one week left for the new and noteworthy, so I need your help here. Um, please feel free to ask any questions uh, via direct messaging on Instagram, through my email. You can find the link on my Instagram there as well, and or comment on my website, alisaunfiltered.com. Have a lovely day, everyone. Until next time.